0: Okay, so this will be our final get-together, and it's been a great blessing for us to spend every morning around 10 a.m. looking at the Word of God, looking at subjects which are of importance to those of us which are Bible believers, and for today, if I may, I want to start in Psalm 109, and I want to pick up on a subject which I alluded to during my Revelation study, concerning the devil, concerning his... How can I put it? His right, his opportunity to cross-examine unsaved people. Psalm 109, Psalm 109, look at verse 6 if you will. Set thou a wicked man over him, and let Satan stand at his right hand. From Revelation, I think it's chapter 12 in memory, the Lord speaks about Satan as a slanderer. Speaks about the devil being able to go into the third heaven and blaspheme the saints like those of us in Cambridge this morning, and we don't quite understand that. But on the other hand, we do understand it. Because for those of us which are in the front line, we are very much up against a very powerful enemy. And here, Psalm 109, verse 6, the context is set. Set thou a wicked man over him, Antichrist. And let Satan stand at his right hand. So when the Antichrist arrives, he's called the son of Satan, And, of course, Jesus Christ is called the Son of God. Satan is a great counterfeit to Jesus Christ, and it's been put very clear in the past by uh, great expositors that if you were to have Jesus standing there and Satan standing there, if you weren't born again, you may not be able to tell them apart. There is some truth in that. Jesus is the anointed of the Lord. Satan is the anointed cherub. Jesus is spoken of as the line of the tribe of Judah. Satan is spoken of as a roaring line. Jesus Christ has a church being the body of Christ. Satan has a church being the Catholic church. Much truth in scripture when it comes to the devil, when it comes to Jesus Christ. And yet, for most people, this goes right over their heads. Psalm 109, verse 6, one more time and I move on. Set thou a wicked man over him. Antichrist, tribulation, feeding into the great white throne judgment. And let Satan stand at his right hand. So there's a picture in uh, Zechariah. Turn to Zechariah of such a thing. And in Zechariah chapter 3, we read in uh, verse 1, the following account, a fascinating account, which, if you believe it, if you take it at face value, will open your eyes to uh, an event which is still to take place, and when I look at the scripture I'm always struck as to how much material is in here. It is fair to say that most of the Old Testament uh, doctrinally isn't uh, for those of us today, but when we get to the scripture we take spiritual application from everything. In fact it was once said that all of the Bible It's for us in a spiritual way, but it's not all to us or for us in a doctrinal way. In fact, the truth is also found in the New Testament when it comes to the Gospels. Most of the Gospel content is aimed at the Jews under the law. But when we go to the Pauline epistles, it's all for us. Zechariah 3, Zechariah 3, if you will, at verse 1, please. And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand, to resist him. He's always there. The devil, from Job chapter 1, would present himself every day to the Lord. And the Lord would say to the devil, where have you been? And he would say, I've been going through the earth. I've been going up and down in the earth. I've been very busy. I've been observing your saints. And they're not much, Lord. They're not much. They are all sinful. They're all carnal. They're all this and all that. And the truth is that that is just how it is. None of us are any good. That's why we need imputation. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. Joshua meaning Jesus. Joshua being a picture of Jesus, standing before the angel of the Lord, which for the Old Testament would be Jesus Christ, but for the New Testament is the spirit of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. So the picture is this. God is pictured as a father. Satan is pictured as a prosecuting attorney. And Jesus is pictured as a defense attorney. First John speaks about Christ being our perpetuation, being our mediator from uh, the Pauline epistles. He's the middle man. If you find yourself in a courtroom, 9 times out of 10, you need someone to defend you. You may say, well I'll defend myself. Well that's fine but you wait till you come up against someone like George Carman or Michael Mansfield, the great uh, British barristers. Those guys will tear to pieces. You will need someone to represent you. Sure, you can take them on if you will, but they've been to the top schools. They are the best of the best. They are Queen, Queen's counsellors, QCs. In fact, even Sherry Blair, or Sherry Blair, Tony Blair's wife, is a QC. And if you come up against these people, and you've got no legal background, they'll just wipe the floor with you. That's why you must, if you have any sense, get someone to represent you. But here the devil, Satan, meaning slanderer, meaning accuser, is standing at the right hand to resist him. Now he's going to try and resist Joshua. He would try to resist Jesus. He would try to get Jesus to follow him. I gave you the text from Luke 4, Matthew 4, a few days ago. All this is yours if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus would say, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Why the devil is able to do what he does, I don't know. It's a great mystery to me. I know that during the thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ on the new earth, there's going to be sin on the new earth, because people are still sinful, the devil is chained up for a thousand years, and yet people are still going to be rebelling, griping, kicking against him. Who does this man think he is? We want to do our own thing. And after one thousand years of peace on the new earth, they gather. Of course, the devil has been uh, released from his place. And they march up to New Jerusalem to try and overthrow the king. A picture, of course, of high treason. <laughs> But here the devil is standing at the right hand of the Lord to resist him, Joshua 2. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem, rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Alohardi uppercase, Jehovah said unto Satan, Jehovah rebuke you. Did you get that? You got two Jehovahs here. You got two Elohims here. You got two Adonai's here. And the Lord. Said unto Satan, the Lord, rebuke thee. Or God the Son, said unto Satan, God the Father, rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem, rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? You got two Jehovahs here, and you got this very clear scripture pointing to Christ pre his incarnation. So pre-the incarnation, it would appear to me that God the Son. Turn Satan over to God the Father. And yet, go back to Luke 4, go back to Matthew 4. Jesus would take the devil head on and beat him. He would challenge him to a duel, if you will, and win, hands down. And yet you go to the epistle of uh, Jude concerning Michael, concerning the devil. Michael, this great archangel, not necessarily on the same in the same ranking as uh, a cherub, would say, the Lord rebuke you. Let's keep reading on. Look at verse 3. Now Joshua is clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. Filthy garments, that's you and I. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. In fact, I sat down this morning to make some notes about the best of the best. And I came up with this. Joseph would say no to an offer of adultery, whereas David would say yes, please. Joseph would marry a pagan Gentile who was a daughter of a pagan king, whereas David would not. Peter would deny Jesus, Paul would not. John was faithful in service, whereas John Mark wasn't. Daniel and Job were almost flawless, whereas James, the brother of Jesus, and Barnabas were inconsistent and double-minded. Old Testament saints, nearly all, had multiple wives. New Testament saints did not. Only Jesus was always perfect in word, thought and deed. So however you want to approach the scripture, you're going to get one guy who is almost flawless, and the next guy who's almost a failure. Like I say, Joseph would say, no, thank you. David would say, yes, please. Peter would deny Jesus. Paul would not. John, being the son of Zebedee, was faithful in service. John Mark was not. Daniel and Job were almost flawless, not sinless. Yet James, the brother of Jesus, and Barnabas were inconsistent and double-minded, like keep the commandments, uh, circumcise your sons, keep the dietary restrictions. And according to such, were guilty of another gospel, Galatians chapter 1, and yet were still saved. Old Testament saints, like the kings, nearly all had multiple wives, and yet they were told not to. New Testament saints, such practice wasn't a problem. And one more time, and finally, Jesus Christ, and only Jesus Christ, was always perfect in word, thought, and deed. So it's fascinating to me, when I look at the scripture, to see how the scripture speaks about such people. But here, Joshua, Zechariah 3.3, is clothed in filthy garments. Now, Joshua was a good man. Joshua, of course, came after Moses. But like everyone in the scripture, wasn't perfect. And he too needed to be forgiven. He too needed to have something done to him. I wouldn't spend five minutes uh, speaking about my standing in the Lord if it wasn't for the blood of Christ. And I've been saved 15 years. And I could have been lost 15,000 times easily. Since the day I've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and when I get to glory, I won't spend five seconds speaking about my works, speaking about me as this great guy, because I'm nothing at all, I'm filthy rags. Look at verse 4. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. So every Old Testament saint got saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, and we get saved by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Every Old Testament saint got saved by believing on a promise. We get saved by believing on a person. The person that we believe on gave the promise back in the Old Testament. It's faith alone from the beginning to the end. And yet I will say this, nobody was born again. Nobody was born again until probably, at best, John chapter 20, when Jesus would breathe on the apostles Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost came upon them, day of Pentecost, and they spoke in other tongues. But they were still saved the same way as we are. They were saved by believing. They were saved by receiving a promise. And here, imputation has taken place. 5. And I said, let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head, and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by Also, this is taking place up in heaven, third heaven. Going back to what Jesus would say, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. We have an angel that is assigned to every local church. And I made made the case from my look at Revelation some weeks ago that there are seven angels assigned to seven churches. We have an angel in heaven that is assigned to every local church. And Paul makes the case from 1 Corinthians 11 concerning head coverings. Also, this is mentioned in 1 Timothy chapter 5, how the angels behold what we do. So what is happening on the earth is happening up in the third heaven. But the overall point to take from these verses is that the devil is once again right up there where the action is taking place. 6. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts... If thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts, and I'll give thee places to walk among those that stand by. So Joshua, I'm going to give you imputation. I'm going to give you my son's righteousness, which here would be a down payment. They wouldn't get it uh, in a physical sense until Christ died on the cross. But here it's very clear from 7. If thou wilt walk in my ways... What would Jesus say to Simon Peter? Follow thou me, and if thou wilt keep my charge, do what I tell you. Then thou shalt also judge my house, Old Testament, in reference to succeeding Moses, New Testament, in reference to getting five crowns, and shalt also keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among those that stand by, New Jerusalem. So these verses are fascinating to me at the same time, also frightening to me. But I see two Jehovah's. I see two Elohim's. I see two Lord's, Father and Son, dealing with the devil in a different way. And I see God the Son passing the devil over to God the Father. And yet, go back to what I said, Luke 4, Matthew 4. Jesus would take the devil head on and defeat him. Go to Daniel chapter 7. It would make sense for me to look at Daniel sometime down the line in a verse-by-verse style, because Daniel harmonizes with Revelation, and Revelation harmonizes very nicely with Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 7, look at verse 8, if you will. I consider the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like unto the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things horns little horns and among them another little horn antichrist before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots counterfeit of the trinity and behold in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking great things once again the antichrist is the son of satan satan will take over the antichrist like he would do with judas Luke 22, and speak great things, going back to Satan being the slanderer. Like, go back to the Old Testament, you've got the account of Balaam being told to curse the children of Israel, and the Lord said in response to such, I cannot behold sin in the camp, all is good with Israel, which of course wasn't the case, but in the eyes of the Lord, that was the case because they had some kind of imputation. But in and of ourselves, we're no good. And he can't miss it, can you? Look at verse 9. I beheld, to the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. You've got eight Antichrist, you've got nine, the thrones were cast down. Ancient of Days did sit, being God Almighty, of course, whose garment was white as snow. Revelation chapter 1 speaks about Christ as such and the hair of his head like the pure wall, picturing judge, picturing authority, picturing sentencing about to take place. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. This is the great white throne judgment. Books are opened. There are at least three books from Revelation. And like I've been saying over the last little while, that if you add to scripture, if you take from scripture, you risk having your name removed from the book of life. And however you want to approach that, it's devastating. 11. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even to the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. So it has been suggested by other Bible believers and great expositors over the years that the devil is going to be able to cross-examine unsaved people at the great white throne judgment. It's bad enough for the Lord to take the time to examine an unsaved person, but for the devil to examine you, for the devil to work you over is just terrifying. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. Antichrist, and yet behind Antichrist is the devil. So Daniel is seeing the Antichrist and he's seeing the devil. He may not be able to separate the two, I don't know. I beheld even to the beast was slain, Antichrist, and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Satan goes into the lake of fire, as does the Antichrist, and yet at the end of the thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, the devil is allowed out of hell which also shows me that you don't burn up in hell. You just burn and burn and burn. Uh, But this text here speaks about the voice of the great words. So again, Satan, prosecuting attorney, almighty God, being the judge, Jesus Christ, being the defense attorney. He's waiting to defend you. He's waiting to come forward and say, this guy belongs to me. This woman belongs to me. He's bought with the blood. She's bought with the blood. They're covered with the blood. And yet for most people, such a statement will never be made. For most people, his name is not found in the book of life, lake of fire for you. Her name is not found in the book of life, lake of fire for her. And you try and explain this to people. Look at verse 13, please. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Son of Man, Jesus Christ, Ancient of Days, God the Father, and they brought him near before him. Once again, the writer of this book, being Daniel, does a great job, like John. And yet, I don't know if Daniel understood what exactly he was seeing, whether or not he was able to comprehend that the Son of Man was the Messiah. I'm pretty sure that he knew that the Ancient of Days was probably God the Father. And yet, let's keep reading on. Verse 14. And it was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all people, nations, and languages should serve him, his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. If you speak to a Calvinist, for example, or if you speak to somebody who holds to a placement theology, what they will say is that this verse is in reference to the church, which is completely incorrect. This reference, or this piece of scripture, is in reference to the thousand-year reign of the Messiah, being the Jewish Messiah, and it goes off into eternity. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. That is going to be uh, picked, picked up from Revelation 22. Nations will serve the Messiah and they will consist of saved people, of course. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. So the thousand year reign of Christ, yes, is just that. But it goes into eternity. We shall not pass away. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, can't be destroyed, and that's why when we preach the gospel, we want people to be saved. We want people to really grasp this great truth that what we see for here and now is temporary, and yet what comes after this is eternal. Look at verse uh, nineteen, please. Verse nineteen. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse small the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns, that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even that horn that had eyes, and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. In reference to the tribulation, of course, but also, it would appear to me, in reference to the great white throne judgment. The devil, before he goes into hell, is going to be present. Christ will judge... And he does so with the authority of the Father. We are present. And I've already already shown that to you. But at the same time, Satan is also present. And he's got plenty to say. He's got plenty to say. Go back to what I said about Joseph. Go back to what I said about David. Solomon, Josiah. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. The women in the Old Testament were far from perfect. Was it Rachel or Rebecca who had idols? And when her father came looking for them, she would sit on them. She would lie about it. Mary, on more than one occasion, doubted the full scope of Jesus' ministry. I can't find anyone who's perfect in Scripture, apart from Jesus Christ, of course. But here you've got the horn that had eyes, latter part of verse 20, and a mouth that spake very great things. He can't wait. He cannot wait to cross-examine unsaved people especially those that we have witnessed to over the last several days and just work them over i mean it's bad enough that almighty god will judge every unsaved man and woman and those old enough to know the difference between right and wrong right down to every word thought and deed but you wait till the devil gets a hold of you i mean if you think of any great attorney any great barrister any great solicitor i mean a really great prosecuting attorney and i've seen so many films over the years of such actors portraying real people like clarence darrow for example they just rip you to shreds and you might say to yourself, well i'll go into my courtroom or i'll go into this you know court of law and i'll have my say you won't say anything you find yourself on the stand you take the oath and they get working on you they will work you over i've seen some of these female uh, barristers these female attorneys wow they know how to speak they know how to tie you up. They will take the most minute thing you say and twist it and use it against you. They will go right through your history, right back to when you were at school and they will dig up stuff which you've long forgotten about, present it to the courtroom and you will just want to curl up and die. And the devil, he knows all about you. He's watched you for years and he can't wait to work you over. Look at verse 21. I beheld and the same horn Made war with the saints and prevailed against them, until the ancient of days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. For us we can't wait for Christ to return. The last part of Revelation says, Even so come, Lord Jesus, and yet for most of the world they're gonna find the devil working them over until the ancient of days came, Jesus Christ, and judgment. Being authority was given to the saints of the Most High. We're going to be present. We're going to watch what goes on. We're going to be almost adjudicators in the sense of the word. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. A thousand year reign of Christ. Twenty-five. And he shall speak great words against the Most High. And shall out the saints of the Most High. And think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand. Until the time and times And the dividing of time. So we are looking at. The great white throne judgment. We are looking at the tribulation. We are looking at the millennial reign. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And like most of the Old Testament. It overlaps. Daniel was shown. Probably a 2, 3,000 year period. And then he was shown. The great white throne judgment. And as you can see. Just a verse. A comma. A semicolon. Can Delineate between the first and second coming, millennial reign, but for this morning, the great white throne judgment. Books were opened, the little horn had plenty to say, spoke great words, verse 11, 20, eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, and the same horn, 21, made war with the saints, tribulation saints, prevailed against them, martyred, until the ancient of days came, end of the tribulation, And judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. They're going to judge angels. They're going to judge, um, or that they'll have kingdoms to rule over. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Also, they'll have angels in submission to them. So they'll judge fallen angels. They'll have angels in submission to them. And they're going to get the kingdom, the thousand-year reign of Christ, which isn't given as a free gift. Yes, once you're born again, you are in the kingdom, you can see the kingdom, but you can also lose your place in the kingdom of God if you live after the flesh and never repent of such. Twenty-five, one more time, and I move on. And he, Antichrist and the devil, devil being in the Antichrist, of course, and he shall speak great words against the most high, blaspheme the most high, blaspheme us indirectly, and shall wear out the saints of the most high, burn them out, and also cause them to become martyred, and think To change times and laws. In reference to Israel. In reference to the third temple. Revelation 11. And they shall be given into his hand. Until a time and times. And the dividing of time. At most he's got seven years. To dominate the world. At most. And yet for those of us which are saved. Praise the Lord. We won't even be around. When this takes place. Go to um, Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7 all this can be avoided quite simply this isn't rocket science if you 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 want to be saved you can be saved if you want to avoid being cross-examined by Satan as a prosecutor who isn't your friend but your foe if you want to be defended if you want somebody to step up to the mark for you if you want someone to say he's beloved, she's beloved his sins covered her sin is covered. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Look at verse 25, if you will. Wherefore, He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing Him liveth, to make intercession for them. He wants so much to save you. He wants so much to forgive you. He wants so much to bless you. His love for us is something we don't really comprehend. And we speak about grace, we speak about the mercy of the Lord, we speak about the love of the Lord, but for far too many of us, we don't really understand it, we don't really comprehend it. But here, 25, Jesus, as God's defense attorney, defense barrister, defense lawyer, solicitor, call him what you will, is able to save them to the uttermost that come under God by him, John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Why? Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So if you find yourself on the on the on the, the wide road, the broad road, if you find yourself in hell, that's your own fault. Almighty God gave you a conscience, he gave you revelation, he gave you the Bible, he gave you preachers, he gave you evangelists, he gave you all that you possibly need. In fact, if you think of, if you think of Second Corinthians chapter five, he's even withheld imputation concerning unsaved people. He hasn't yet imputed their sin to them. I mean, that is grace. Not only has he died for your sins, he has withheld your sin being put to your account. And that's why Paul would say, "We beseech you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God." Behold, now is the appointed time. Behold, now. Is a day of salvation. So why put this off? Why be so foolish to pass this up? Why reject the plan of salvation? God will judge you. The devil will judge you. And you will be just completely lost. Tied up, tongue-tied. You'll be aghast with yourself. You will know within five seconds that you are finished, that you are ruined. And yet here, the Son of God, God's defense attorney, loves you so much. And he will save you to the uttermost without any help from any church system or any works of any kind that come under God by him. It's a free gift. Just call out to him. Believe on him. Receive him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He is eternal. He is eternal. And that's a great thing to consider when it comes to our high priest, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. He loves you. He died for you. And if you go to hell, it's your own fault. And if you burn... In hell, it's your own fault. It doesn't have to be that way. If you want to be saved, come to him. Believe on him. Trust in him. And he will save you to the uttermost. And as a quick footnote, if you then believe that somehow you are going to be perfect, sinless, go back to what I said. Concerning Joseph. Concerning David. Concerning Peter. Concerning Paul. Concerning John Mark. Concerning John the son of Zebedee, concerning James, the brother, half-brother of Jesus, and Barnabas, who was a Levite, keeping the law, forcing Gentiles to keep the law. I mean, that's wicked, trying to make Gentiles follow the Jewish way of life. And Paul said, you know what? That's a curse. Christ died a cursed death for you all. Why are you preaching that gospel? You're falling from grace. They were still saved, but old nature, old nature. And that's something which we don't ever want to overlook. So I will leave it there with a look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, and just plead with anyone who's not saved to get saved, and to avoid at all costs the awful thoughts of the devil being your prosecutor, showing you no mercy, and just working you over, and also in the presence of everyone, like the Trinity, the Holy Angels of the Lord, and those of us which are saved. It's bad enough being castigated by one person, It's bad enough being chastised by one person, but you imagine all of the righteous watching as a judgment takes place. You can't imagine, can you? It's bad enough being embarrassed by one person or being pulled up by somebody who you know, but the devil can't wait to do it. He hates you so much. He's called a murderer. He's called a slanderer. He is no one's friend, and if you find yourself up against him, look out.